Hello and welcome to Inside the Admissions Office, your one-stop shop for expert advice on the smart way to get in. My name is Kayla, and each episode I'll bring you an interview with a former admissions officer, a graduate of a top college, or an admissions expert. These interviews will take you inside the admissions office and will be full of behind-the-scenes knowledge, first-hand experiences, and application tips that will help you get into your dream school. This week, we're joined by Zach Harris, a former admissions officer from Johns Hopkins, George Washington, Regis, and Bowdoin, to answer your questions. Hi, Zach. Thank you for joining us today. Hey, thanks, Kayla. Good to, good to be here. Yeah, thank you so much for joining us. So as a lot of our listeners know, I mentioned it a few episodes ago, but you are here to answer some questions that some of our listeners sent in. Uh, due to kind of, you know, current events with coronavirus, we're going to be covering a lot of questions that people sent in about that, about how that's affecting admissions. Um, and we'll also answer some general questions about college admissions that some people sent in too. So, all right, let's get started. Uh, so one of our first questions we got from one of our listeners is for juniors this excited. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so for our juniors, someone sent in a question about their student that's a junior. So for <laughs> this summer, what should their plans be given the uncertainty caused by coronavirus? Yeah, I mean, I think it's obviously a great question. I imagine all of the questions that we're going to talk about today are, are great ones, but um, you know, I've been telling, you know, friends and colleagues and in, in my own students that we're living, you know, right now in um, unprecedented times, right? Um, this is impacting, you know, the entire globe. Um, it's, you know, sort of calming down a little bit, you know, kind of in Asia you know, as it sort of is ramping up you know, here in the United States. Um, but with all of that being said, it's still going to be important, you know, that the high school juniors are doing everything that they can to add you know to their college application as much as possible and, and do that in a, in a deliberate way and in a way that is connected to their interests which will eventually show colleges that you know should show them the evidence right that they can be a great econ major they can be a great psychology major they can be great scientists because they've been doing things that are related to those fields it becomes harder to do that as you can imagine when so much is is shut down you know right now but i think it's a great way to almost like shift the focus to many different online resources that 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 exist that i think sometimes are taken for granted because they are online i think some people often think well it's online it's not valuable or it can't help me or I'm not going to pursue those opportunities because I'm not going physically to a place. But you know, even you know, doing a, a set of online courses, you know, through Coursera or edX, can be a great way for exposure um, and enhancement of someone's interest, or even trying to figure out what that interest is. Because the more specific you can be, the better, right? So if you are really involved in biology taking classes that will get you into a more specific field maybe like environmental science or zoology or ecology or you know something along those lines i think can be really helpful um, there's also a lot of other resources um something that called zooniverse gives you the opportunity to conduct sort of like mini and sustained research project um, there's another one called seven cups uh, which deals with sort of psychology and sort of mental health and providing a supporting voice to, to individuals that are kind of struggling with things right now so there's a ton of different things that you can do as a student and again because of you know what is happening globally you know shifting that focus to online resources you know i think is going to be the best way right now to still maintain that focus still be adding to you know the eventual college application and trying to still build that momentum so when things do get better in the hopefully near future, uh, you can pay back upon those things that you were doing over the summer and then continue uh, when we can hopefully, you know, do things in, in person once again. Right. And the, I mean, the great thing about the internet is there are so many options. You know, there's only so many mm -hmm. summer programs or summer camps. Right. right. The internet is really, you know, right. it's infinite. 
Exactly. So exactly. I think that's also a great answer to our next question about, you know, how students can spend their extra time at home um, to kind of boost their college applications. I think it's really kind of the same thing about, you know, utilizing the resources that you can online to kind of fill in the time that might have been filled by your extracurriculars or stuff like that. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think what you should not do, because uh, I can I can sort of see this happening with some students already, is think, well, I can't do anything in person. I you know just had to travel, you know, kind of back home, or I'm not able to go to school, so they're just not going to do anything, or they'll sort of do, you know, online classes from school, if that's sort of something that they have to do as a requirement, but they'll think, well, you know, there are so many things happening right now. I'm just, I'm just not going to do anything. And that's not what you should do, right? Like you do presumably will have more time because you can't go to sports and you can't go to Model UN and you can't do some of these other things. Filling that time, you know, is going to be really important. So set goals for yourself. You know, if one goal is just sort of trying to get more specific, you know, within your interest or even finding, you know, what your interest is going to be as a potential college major, even getting that foundation started or continuing that momentum, I think can be a really important thing to do during this time. Right. And not only will it help college admissions, it's just going to keep you busy, I think, for everyone. That too. Yeah. High schoolers yeah. and, you know, right. adults in the right. workforce alike. It's just going to uh-huh. help you stay active, help your mental health if you're still actively yeah. thinking and doing things. Yeah. I mean, you know, for, for those states, you know, that are sort of beginning to be, you know, in lockdown to some degree. And, and obviously Asia has been experiencing this for the past couple of months already. Um, just mental health is such a big part of staying healthy and staying fit and if you can't do the things you were doing before or your routine is clearly going to be you know shifted you know it's still important you know to keep your mind active be as active as you can and uh yeah fill that time with things that are are really exciting uh to you during this uh sort of strange and surreal time yeah, yeah, and there's obviously, you know, the added benefit is it helps your college application, but that shouldn't be the that, only that thing too. you're doing yeah, stuff. Exactly. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> um, So another big concern I've seen from a lot of people and that we also mm-hmm. got a question about is SATs and standardized testing. So the question that we got is how should um, I rework my SAT test schedule? Yeah, again, another really good question. And, you know, it's something that we're, we're thinking a lot about and sort of constantly talking, you know, to our to our juniors and, and seniors about, you know, pretty consistently. I think one of the biggest things that you know, we all can be doing is making sure that we're staying updated because College Board, you know, ACT, um, ETS that administers the TOEFL, they're actually being pretty good about updating people, you know, about what is happening, right? So, you know, when the next set of tests um, uh, you know, is going to be canceled, you know, sort of has been the the, the, the updates that we're getting kind of more recently um, when the next tests are going to be administered. So I think keeping in touch, you know, via email or social media within those three agencies, um, your AP coordinator at your school, your touch coordinator at your school can be another resource as well. But number one is you want to stay informed. Number two, you want to stay ready because you don't know and we don't know what's going to happen next. And if you, you know, are able to you know, reschedule a test for whichever month is upcoming and you're not sort of continually staying prepared and ready and, you know, doing, uh, you know, review courses or mock, you know, exams or um, going through vocabulary or whatever it might be, you know, for each test, um, it's going to put you at, at a disadvantage. So even if the next set of tests seem as likely, you know, that it might be canceled, you still want to be doing something, you know, every day just to sort of maintain, you know, that learning that you've been doing. And so it doesn't feel like you're turning a switch on when all of a sudden you have a test coming up in a month versus if you can sort of stay prepared, you know, every day uh, and stay on on a pretty consistent schedule. Um, I think being ready and staying ready is is going to be really important. Um, I think number three, and this is something I'm talking a lot about with my students, is that 
everybody's in the same boat. No one is getting an advantage. There's not one set of, of students or school or population that is able to take the test, you know, sooner, you know, than other people. So I think this college admissions process in a lot of cases brings out the the competitive side uh, of people or wanting to make sure there's fairness and equity, you know, in, in, in what is happening. And I think in this particular case, the entire world is dealing with this right now. So I think the best thing that you can do as a family and as a student is stay prepared, you know, be ready, stay sort of updated on the news. Um, but don't worry about sort of other people or, or other families or what they may or may not be doing. The best thing that we can do right now is stay prepared, you know, make sure you're ready, you know, when uh, you are able to register for a test. Hopefully it happens. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, I feel like new news and updates are coming out, you know, pretty regularly about what is going to happen. I'd be you know, just canceled, you know, their entire kind of testing slate, um, you know, this year. So it's, um, it's hard to know, you know, what's going to happen. But I think the best thing you can do is prepare like it's going to happen. And uh, if it doesn't, then it just gives you more time to, to get ready when you are able to uh, to take the test. Yeah, I think, you know, always preparing more for those tests is great. And there's, you know, it's another thing you can do to stay active. And yeah, I know there's constant mm -hmm. updates. I think today or yesterday when we we're recording this, uh, College Board announced that AP exams will only be FRQs this year. I'm sure mm -hmm. that by the time this mm -hmm. episode comes out on next Monday, that there will be even more right. news and this will be right. kind of outdated. So right. yeah, I think staying up to date is one of the most important things. Yeah, 100%. So another question that we've gotten mm -hmm. a lot, and this could, I think, pertain mostly to probably um, juniors again, is now that schools are canceling uh, college tours, um, how can students still kind of get an idea of, you know, where they want to go? I've seen some questions mm -hmm. about the platforms that schools are using, like Zimi. Um, or like e-college tours. So how should students kind of navigate that? Yeah, so it's it's a hard time, you know, I think for particularly, again, for, for juniors and seniors, not that, you know, first-year students and sophomores aren't, aren't dealing with some of the same stuff, but those two populations, you know, just have more time. So some of the things we're talking about today, I think are, are very relevant. Um, but hopefully when this gets resolved, you know, sooner rather than later, um, they'll have, you know, another two years, another, another year to sort of go through this process. But I think for juniors and seniors and really for everybody, um, you know, utilizing the, the college websites is probably the best resource that you're going to have. Um, colleges usually uh, are pretty nimble. Uh, when it comes to things like this. And most, I would say a lot of them are going to have some kind of platform or options for, you know, online uh, virtual tours or um, the ability to, you know, interact, you know, with, with current students or other things that you can do to really get to know a school really well beyond just reading about it, you know, kind of on, on their particular the website so i would encourage everybody you know to to take advantage of those resources go to the the visit page of the schools that you might be interested in and see what those options are going to be again although this is a very surreal time you still want to to treat this process like it's happening like it normally would so doing your college research getting to know the schools you know really well building you know that list of likes and dislikes and preferences that you can then you know take to um, help you find schools in different parts of the country um, or the world you know is still you know going to be really important so yeah, I mean, I think taking advantage of, the, of those websites, um, as you mentioned earlier, you know, the internet is sort of boundless in terms of what it can provide. And um, I always, you know, tell students that, you know, going to the main source is always going to be your best opportunity. You know, there are other 
you know, resources, uh, you know, like niche uh, or, you know, even, you know, U.S. news can, I think, be helpful to sort of filter on information. But if you don't really have a sense of what you're looking for, then it becomes harder to use some of those filtering resources, I think, adequately. So, yeah, going to the school-specific websites, going to their visit page, um, seeing, you know, the opportunities that they have. In a lot of cases, I know colleges will begin to even offer more opportunities to either sort of do uh, like sort of like an AMA style format or even just having admissions officers available you know to communicate on a more regular basis you know webinars and other things like that so the more that this sort of is impacting you know the United States the more colleges will begin to offer more opportunities to get to know them a lot better. Um, unfortunately, so many of, especially for admitted students and for juniors as well, so much of the spring programming where you would go to a college campus for like an entire day and talk to so many people um, have been canceled. So I wouldn't be surprised if you see in the next several weeks colleges moving those opportunities to some sort of remote online uh you know functionality where you're still sort of getting the same information but you're sort of getting it in a, in a bit of a different way so you know those are always going to be i think the best ways to learn about colleges and again really helping to sort of build your preferences and and dig a lot deeper about schools besides you know the name of the institution or their particular you know ranking uh, and things like that yeah, and I've definitely already seen some colleges putting out those resources like virtual tours. And I think you're mm -hmm. right. In the coming weeks, there will definitely be a lot more. Yeah, exactly. So for all students, I know we've been talking a lot about juniors and seniors, but I think I've seen also we got some questions about um, how this could affect students' grades. So especially for students who are struggling or need extra help in their classes, if their grades dip, um, how will admissions officers view this? Yeah. So, you know, I spent about uh, 10 years working in admissions offices and um, in my 10 years, uh, you know, the United States or, you know, kind of even globally, Unfortunately, there's sort of many things that were kind of happening, whether it was other, you know, kind of, um, you know, pandemics that were occurring in other countries uh, in the United States, you know, massive hurricanes, power outages, na other natural disasters that, that were happening, again, all very unfortunate situations. But I think um, admissions offices and colleges in particular are very um, or try as much as it can be to be really sensitive about issues that can impact uh, a student, you know, whether it's, you know, submitting the application and extending those deadlines or something like this, which is, again, a, a global situation. There's going to be a lot more understanding. It, it, it doesn't mean that colleges are going to, uh, you know, completely lower you know, standards or uh, admit students that they, you know, typically would not admit. But I think as an admissions officer, if I was working in an office right now, it's hard to separate, uh, you know, what is happening now with the application that you're going to, you know, begin receiving, you know, later on, you know, this year, because it's so impactful, you know, to so many people. Um, I imagine there are going to be so many essays you know that are written about this or additional information sections that are focusing you know on, on what is happening right now so as an admissions officer you know that's going to happen and you also know it's going to impact students grades not even potentially their their ability to to do the work um but a student you know who was maybe building that momentum towards an upward trend and then they were told you can't go to school you know anymore or the school is maybe going pass fail and then how that changes the dynamic you know of the classroom there are some schools that aren't even requiring you know students to do mandated work or graded work um, because the the district may have a capability to do that so colleges are really good about context anyway but i think in, in cases like this they'll even be more careful and understanding of what is happening again for a student who you know maybe specifically isn't doing as well or has seen a recent dip in, in their grades it will be very important 
that they are able to show if not an upward trajectory because they just can't do that because of what's happening still be able to at least grow from that experience and take this time to to get better you know in that particular subject so taking advantage of um you know there are a ton of, of free resources online I always kind of go to Khan Academy first but there's a ton of resources online classes are are now uh in, in some cases you know free of charge taking advantage of the opportunity to sort of you know tutor yourself you know kind of about areas you're uh, doing as well and so eventually when you do get back to school again hopefully that's soon you can sort of get that upward you know trajectory or build that momentum even during this time away what colleges are not going to appreciate is uh you know a, a hiccup in grades um, a downward trend this break happens and then you know first semester of you know senior year or first semester or first quarter even of junior year and the the momentum continues to go in the wrong direction right this isn't a time where colleges are going to excuse sort of the, those grades they'll be understanding but they're still going to want and hope and expect that you have the ability to get better you know within those classes so you know taking advantage of again free resources if you have the ability um even paying for resources you know can sometimes be a good idea depending upon you know, your particular situation but again going back to sort of the beginning of, of the conversation you can't just do nothing and expect you know an admissions officer to be an understanding of that and if you're putting in effort you know when you're trying um that can go a long way you know in the eyes of someone who is uh you know making tough decisions when it comes to uh to these admissions uh, uh choices that they're having to make yeah definitely and i think what you said about context is really important i know mm. even in regular years of admissions admissions officers are in contact with you know guidance counselors and mm -hmm. the counseling office mm -hmm. at your school they know what mm -hmm. kind of classes you're offering so the admissions officers right. are going to know which schools are pass fail which had to cl close completely they're going to know mm -hmm. all of that mm -hmm. i'm 100 you know i would imagine that um, as as, college, as uh, high schools and college counselors are making the decisions now, you know, to go pass fail, go online, you know, shut down completely. The college counselors are already in their head framing uh, uh, an addition to their school profile or framing um, an email or an insert that they'll send to admissions officers into colleges to sort of describe you know, we shut down on this day, this is what was available to our students, you know, and this is when we got back. And again, it doesn't mean, you know, from the admissions officer's perspective that you um, don't do the same job you were doing before, but context matters and context can be really helpful. And again, it's really kind of up to the student to take advantage of, you know, this time and either again, build that momentum maintain consistency, or if there is, you know, a lot of struggle, make sure that you're addressing, you know, that struggle. So when you are back in school, you can sort of immediately kind of be, get better, you know, be better and show colleges that with the time away, you took advantage of that time, you know, really wisely. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So the last question I have kind of relating to coronavirus and closures mm -hmm. is um, about uh, recruiting for student athletes. So, um, with cancellations and closures of, you know, games, sporting events, how will this affect students of any grade who were looking to try to get recruited? Yeah, I think that's a good, that's a great question. Um, obviously sports are not happening <laughs> right now, uh, you know, in the United States. And, and I imagine, I know that um, some professional leagues are kind of starting back up again in, in Asia recently, but high school sports right now are just not really a thing, you know, that, that is happening right now. So um, what I think, you know, similar to some of the things we've said already, uh, recruiting in a lot of ways, you know, in the past 10, 10 years or so has really shifted I think already to a more kind of online, you know, kind of platform. I think colleges appreciate the ability to see players, 
regardless of the sport, you know, in person, whether just through camps, you know, over the summer or just going, you know, to games during that particular, you know, high school season. But more and more, you know, coaches are, are relying on, um, you know, website, you know, referrals, you know, students and going directly to the athletic website and sort of emailing and contacting the coach more proactively anyway so what i envision is going to happen is coaches will sort of take that you know just to the next level and i think it will be really important for students as much as they can to 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 be able to basically kind of show the coaches their expertise and their skill level and their respective sport so if they haven't already and a, 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 a basic way, but I think a great way to show that is, is obviously through video, right? So if you have the ability, you know, and, and the opportunity where you, your coach um, in high school is taping games or, or taping meets, uh, being able to sort of splice together a highlight film for you would be a really, you know, great first step, I think, for any, you know, athlete who's, who's really wanting to be seriously recruited that's one of the first things that you should do anyway is sort of build that 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 data set of you know your your best goals or you know your skill set within this particular you know kind of area um your times you know when it comes to swimming or track or track and field in general so you want to make sure that you sort of have information at the ready to be able to send to to coaches if and when they ask for it um, I think being more, more proactive as, as a student is also going to be really important as well. Recruiting sometimes is also about who do you know. One coach goes to see you, and for whatever reason, maybe you're not going to be a good fit for them, but they know 50, 50 other coaches, and they may call some of them and say, hey, I just saw you know, Kayla. She's an amazing swimmer. I can't take her you know, for me but she might be a good fit for you or I saw her tape or, you know, something along those lines. So being, being able to uh, kind of have those resources, you know, I think will be really important. Being proactive is going to be really critical to when I work with kids that want to be recruited, you know, we work together on a list of colleges that they might be interested in. We work on an email and then we're just sort of, you know, sending those emails as often as we can. I think when there's a lot more in-person stuff happening, the online piece from the student perspective, while important, isn't as important because you can go to camps, you can go to things where it sort of becomes easier to get noticed. And now that's gonna be harder to do. So being really proactive, I think is also going to be, you know, really significant. And then the third thing I would say is utilizing your, your high school coach will also be really important to even more so, you know, utilizing their connections, utilizing their contacts, getting their perspective on the types or the ranges of schools that might be a good fit for you will be really important. Um, and really just making sure that your name is sort of out there, you know, as much as possible, again, because you're not playing. And sometimes you can have a great game uh, or you win at a high level and then your name sort of is out there because something just happened in the news or, you know, an online resource that doesn't exist anymore. So you want to make sure that, you know, being proactive, you know, getting in touch with coaches as much as possible on, on the college side, but also utilizing your high school coach and their relationships uh, really effectively will be will be really critical during this time as well. Yeah. And that's another thing, you know, coaches know the context they know there aren't mm -hmm. games going mm -hmm. on right now um but they also mm -hmm. still want to do their jobs they're still recruiting for the next year so it's not like the whole process yeah. is just gonna stop yeah. it's recruiting, just gonna change mm -hmm. recruiting is i remember i played i played college basketball and i remember being a, a freshman and we were uh kind of on on a on a on a way trip and um our coach was at the in front in the front of the bus calling recruits like for the next year and like my teammates and I were like, wait, what? Like, it's still our season. Like, what? It, what is he doing? And that's just the nature of it, right? Is that, you know, sports are very cyclical. You're gonna lose people. You obviously wanna get better. So coaches are sort of always on their grind, always, you know, recruiting. So taking advantage of that um, is, is gonna be really, really important for any student at this stage who, uh, you know, wants to play a collegiate sport at, at a high level. Yeah, and now that coaches don't have their own collegiate level games to coach, you know, they're going to have a lot more time on their hands to be calling <laughs> yeah, students. Exactly, students. exactly. Yeah, so yeah, that's, that's a really great point. And 
um, you know, I think what's always important about this college process is the more you know, the better. And knowing the fact that, you know, at this time, a spring sport coach would be coaching, you know, they'd be running practices, they'd be at away games, they'd be getting ready for home games. That time doesn't exist anymore. So filling that void is is 100% going to be about recruiting for the next year. So take advantage of that, you know, as a student and yeah, get in emails, you know, make phone calls, do everything that you can do, you know, to get on a coach's radar because this is the time where they're going to be, you know, looking to fill time. And uh, and if you can sort of get on their radar screen, uh, the earlier, you know, the better, you know, when it comes to even, you know, obviously the most competitive programs as well. Yeah, definitely. So kind of transitioning now, I know obviously coronavirus is at the top of everyone's mind right now, but as you've mm-hmm. mentioned a couple times, you know, the process as a whole, not all of it is going to change and the more, you know, the better. And we did get some questions kind of about college admissions generally that I think apply at all times or kind of, you know, when this is all over, hopefully very soon and things mm-hmm. slowly go back to normal. This is knowledge that still people are still going to want to know. Mm-hmm. Um so one of the first questions we got just about college admissions generally is um, how much time uh, students should budget to finish their applications altogether kind of from start to finish? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I mean, this is a process. I, I think sometimes families and, and students just, they just don't know like how long like this takes. They sort of, I think, know the fact, you know, the components, you know, of the process. And I think underestimate almost the entire time, you know, how long, you know, this process, you know, really, really entails. I mean, the the short answer is that this is going to take like months of time. This is not something that you can do, uh, you know, in a couple of weeks. It's, it's not something that you can uh you know do in even a couple of months like this is something that is going to take a sustained you know effort you know really starting i think very focused you know kind of in the spring you know you know of grade 11 that takes you pretty much an entire year you know to sort of you know finish in terms of the application you know piece of it you know depending upon if you apply early and and some of the other nuances you know that happen um everything takes multiple uh hours you know to finish um essay writing is one of those things that you know we are oftentimes going back and forth you know 20 to 30 times uh on on essay drafts in conversations with students and each of those you know is going to take you you know at least an hour i would say to really be focused on the task at hand taking the line edits that we provide and then implementing them and then rewriting pieces or adding pieces and then it comes back to us and then we're doing the same process as well so even when it comes to the essay writing we're talking about just you know upwards of you know 20 30 plus hours and that's just on the editing side of things that's something about you know, the developments, you know, of ideas. And then you have, you know, a lot of supplemental essays that will sort of come into play as well. So, you know, I think students that have had the most success with us are, you know, the ones who start, you know, kind of early and have a sustained and consistent effort, you know, the entire time. But conservatively, even if you start, let's say in, you know, May or April, or June even of, of grade 11. And let's say that you apply early decision and get in. So let's say you find out by December, you know, that's still seven months, you know, kind of of, of your life, you know, that is going to be dedicated, you know, to the college application process. And if you don't apply ED or, you know, you don't get in, then you're really thinking about going up until February. And then you still have to get those acceptances and then make decisions. And then you don't have to do that until May. So, you know, we're talking conservatively about a year, you know, kind of of your life of consistent and sustained effort, you know, over that time. So never underestimate how much time this process is going to take. Um, if anything, you know, be super conservative with your time. Uh, and the other thing to think about too, 
because I think this is something that, that people, you know, don't think about is that you still have to do well in school. Like it's not like colleges are thinking, oh, they're going through the college admissions process. Like if they don't do well in class or if their, uh, their, their you know, course selection changes dramatically, that colleges are going to be okay with that. Colleges look at all four years of the classes you're taking and the grades that you have. So no matter the time, you know, when you're in, in grade 12, they're going to look at, you know, first semester, first quarter, first trimester as you apply to college. And then they're definitely going to be looking at your final grades, you know, after you enroll to make sure that you still were serious about your studies. So it takes a really, really long time, you know, to do this. And I think the quicker families and students can sort of wrap their head around the idea that this is like a marathon and not a sprint, I think it becomes a little bit easier to sort of roll with the punches and, um, and, and build sort of that, that, that consistent effort, which uh, it takes, you know, to be really successful in this process. Yeah, definitely. It definitely takes a long time. And yeah. I think starting early is a great option for a lot of students, mm-hmm. at least just kind of looking at your college search, all of that. And that's, you know, we talked about something that students can do right now to kind of get a few months ahead to maybe kind of help the workload that they're going to have later. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think one of the biggest uh, things that people stress about for college applications is the personal statement. So uh, we got the question, if you have any tips for starting that essay? Yeah, so I, I always like to have um, students start relatively simple, uh, which, is, which is honestly step one, um, is to know what the prompts are. And I know that's like super basic, but it's, it's honestly the truth. I think sometimes families and students want to start talking about ideas or they want to, you know, start, start writing or sort of jump into the actual process of being creative. But if you don't really know like the prompts and you don't know the differences, for example, between, you know, the common app rules versus the coalition app rules versus the UC uh, application rules versus the the Texas uh, system rules. If you, if you don't sort of understand you know, potentially, you know, what the questions or the prompts are, how do you really sort of begin, you know, writing, you know, to some degree. Fortunately, a lot of the the different application systems have sort of like a catch-all prompt, which is like basically write about like whatever, you know, you want to. But I think that reading the prompts and sort of understanding word limits, you know, and, and, and that the logistical piece of the process for essay writing can, can really help just sort of frame how you're thinking about, you know, where to start, you know, when it comes to, to different ideas. Um, so that's number one. I think number two is not, not being afraid to just write. Um, one of the things that I find often is that students, whether it's like they have multiple prompts or they just have one, you know, prompt to answer, they get stuck. They, they feel like they have to uh, almost in like one one effort or in one try uh, sort of develop the best essay, you know, that they've ever written and then never edit it again or edit it once and then it, it's going to be done. So I think get started, you know, take, you know, a couple of prompts that, you know, you are excited about that sort of speak to you you know, in, in a way that, you know, gets you excited about, you know, what you may want to write about and just start jotting down ideas. Um, it doesn't have to be paragraphs upon paragraphs, but just jotting down like an outline. If you want to write about, uh, you know, a major event, you know, that happened in your life or a setback that occurred and how you sort of rebounded from that, you know, those are going to be things that are going to take time and effort to develop a consistent theme, you know, within that that essay that is connected back, you know, to sort of the, the narrative um, of your application is going to take time, uh, you know, to to really figure out um, the, the consistency, you know, of the, the different pieces of the essay that you're writing. Um, so, you know, not being afraid to just sort of start 
but also developing outlines, you know, notes, um, which prompt speaks to you, you know, the most. I think one of the biggest things that students don't pay enough attention to is which prompts sort of speak to them, you know, which prompts excite them. Because, you know, as an admissions officer, if, you know, you're excited about uh, a topic, you're excited about a prompt, that excitement really comes through within within your writing. Um, and on the other hand, if you're sort of bored or you're just writing it because you feel like, well, you know, this topic feels sort of unique or distinct or different, I'm gonna choose that one, then I'm going to know because it's going to read as, you know, kind of bland and not as exciting. You know, essay writing and in many ways is like a conversation and the more excited you can be about what you're writing really i think can uh, can translate to you know the admissions officer you know who is reading your you know reading your application um i think additionally realizing and i and i said this you know with, with another question but realizing that this process takes time is also really important um understanding that it's not going to happen quickly and in order to develop best, you know, kind of set of essays, you want to sort of marinate, you sort of want to give it time because your experiences, you know, are, are going to shift, you know, and change, you know, starting an essay over the spring, I think is a tremendous idea. Um, but maybe your summer, you know, something happens that sort of shifts your outlook, you know, kind of on your additional notes. It's okay to sort of go back and inject, you know, that summer experience, you know, kind of into what you were doing. So starting early is always a great idea but also maintaining flexibility, I think is really important as well. I think the last thing I'll say too is, especially as you're getting started and sort of going through development ideas and, and figuring out, you know, which prompts you're going to choose is you want to make sure that overall or anything else that the essay that you write helps the admissions officer get to know you the, the best uh, way that they can and the best as possible because in many cases, students will choose an essay and then spend most of it talking about something else or they spend so much of their time you know introducing you know the story that they sort of then will use the last you know couple of sentences to then sort of like spin it back and, and and do something like well this story was important to me because I learned x y and z please admit me to college and you're kind of thinking well you spent 95 percent of the essay not talking about yourself like what did I learn? Eventually, you know, what you hope happens is that the admissions officer is taking, you know, your entire application, bringing it to committee where they're talking about you and saying, well, Kayla wrote this and, you know, in her personal statement, her supplements were about this. And if you're not utilizing that space wisely and, and using it as a way to help the admissions person get to know you you know, your your personality, your motivations, your goals, then it really becomes a, a lost opportunity to uh, to help them get to know you a, a lot better. Because at the end of the day, that's really what this process is. Each component of the application helps to frame you and helps shape you as an applicant. And really the essay is, is, is your own words and really the best way, you know, to help someone get to know you and who you are as a person. So taking advantage of that time and that space um, and planning effectively, you know, to, to do it that way is going to be really important. Yeah, and I think that's definitely a lot of pressure to do that, you know, showing yourself in so few words. So I like your idea a lot of just kind of starting to write early, just kind of lay it all out there and you knowing that you can fix it later, that yes, you don't need exactly. to put so much <clears throat> pressure on yourself right at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. there's so there's, you know, so much pressure. And I think that in this entire process that, you know, the the faster you can sort of manage i think that stress and manage that pressure i think you know can be really can be really helpful and i think time allows you to do that right starting in in april may june is different you know than starting in uh you know august and september right like that's just a lot of time that you could be using you know more effectively yeah 
So last question here before I let you go. Um, so yep. one of the last questions we sure. got was about extracurricular activities and how critical they are, how um, admissions officers are really evaluating them. Yeah, so extracurriculars are, are incredibly, incredibly important, um, especially as we think about uh, sort of the, the, the more, you know, selective, you know, colleges, you know, within within the United States, um, you know, having uh, a robust, vibrant, um, connected activities list, connected extracurriculars is, is going to be really critical. I think something that families and, and students maybe don't, you know, think about very often, but I thought so much about when I was working in, in the missions offices is, you know, what what is the composition of the incoming class going to be and how does that impact the students that are already here um, every campus you know is is a community um, no matter how big or how small the college may be um, every campus is um, has it has a personality right when you visit colleges or even going online you know to to, to learn more about universities and colleges if, you, if you're sort of doing it correctly you'll understand and begin to to to, to see um you know that school a is different than school b and sort of these are the reasons why right there's a more sort of academic or maybe competitive spin to, to the campus versus maybe one that values balance maybe a little bit more and neither one of those you know uh, uh kind of qualities is, is right or wrong right it's all about preferences and sort of what you want as a student you know for your four years of college you know to, to look like um, but part of that is an admissions officer looking at your activities list and seeing, you know, what have they done? Uh, what have they focused on? What impact, you know, kind of have, have they had over their years of high school and how will that translate, you know, to my, to my campus, right? And how that sort of translate to the type of community and the type of personality that we have as a college campus. Um, so they become really critical. I think even more so though, what becomes even more important is the connection between the choices you're making within your extracurriculars. Um, you know, working in college campus, you want students that are that are specialists, you know, who have, you know, distinct interests because a college campus in general, admissions officers want the campus to be sort of well-rounded and to have people of different strengths and, and different interests and, and, and different passions. But in order to create a well-rounded campus, you need students that are that are sort of more pointy, you know, that have, you know, one to two um, things that they're, you know, really good at to, to then sort of have a campus that becomes much more, you know, well-rounded or sort of balanced in terms of the things that people will do. So as a student, you know, having a, a, a strong list and, and strong doesn't mean um, it needs to be a list of, of 20, 15, you know, the Common App only allows you 10. Um, it doesn't even mean 10, you know, it could be eight, it could be seven, the number is not important. But what does become important is how long are you spending on these activities? What impact have you had? And how does it connect to the other pieces of your application? You know, if you want to major in, you know, psychology and your future career as a psychologist, it makes sense, you know, to have as many extracurriculars as possible be connected, you know, to psychology, because that is what colleges are going to want. They want the evidence that you have really thought this through. And it becomes even more impressive when you spend, you know, your high school career sort of hyper-focused on one to two things that are then very related to what you want to do, you know, in college and then potentially beyond that. So they become really, really important. Um, you know, I talk to students all the time, you know, just about being deliberate about your extracurriculars and not just joining things because you think you have to or because of the potential prestige, you know, that these extracurriculars might give you. It's really more so about making sure that there's connection, you know, that there's consistency. Um, and the missions officers are, are spending time looking at these lists, reading these lists, because, you know, outside of grades and test scores, while those things are obviously very important, 
you know, the activities list, you know, the essay, sort of those more kind of qualitative pieces of the application. Um, and a lot of cases become even more important once they know that a student is capable academically, they want to be able to know that the student will sort of energize their campus and bring something different, you know, than other people cannot cannot bring. So yeah, they become really critical, really important. And uh, it's also fun, you know, to learn about a student, learn about their passions, learn about their interests and, and how uh, that will, you know, translate, you know, to, to, to the college campus um, in, in a really exciting way, hopefully. Yeah, I think, you know, without extracurriculars, everyone is kind of just a GPA and their test scores and mm-hmm. extracurriculars are mm-hmm. a huge way that you can give yourself personality and you can stand yes. out among all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially because even within the the same, uh, you know, category of extracurricular, you can still be different, you know, and you can still do something different enough, you know, within the level of impact, you know, that you're having or, you know, the the type of um, students or people that you're working with. Like there's There are always opportunities to sort of take something that maybe many other people are doing and add just enough of your personality or spin to it that it, that it feels very different, you know, than what other people are doing. So you're exactly right, you know, in the sense of that, um, you know, they are, you know, kind of really important. They help to help, they help students to stand out in this process and really help admissions officers. You get to know someone really well, you know, learn more about the personality and, uh, and get excited, you know, about what they're doing. And, you know, at the end of the day, if you can do something within your, within your application, whether it's through, you know, your essays, your academics, uh, you know, your extracurriculars to get an admissions officer sort of excited about you and sort of behind you in this process, that goes a long way because most of the time applications um, are not as exciting, you know, as you as you want them to be and are not as appealing, you know, as you want them to be, um, especially for schools that are really, really selective that are taking, you know, less than one out of 10 students, uh, you know, kind of per round that you know, the more that you can do something in that process to get someone excited about what you're doing, you know, the better it gives you, you know, the, the chances or opportunity uh, to be able to, to get accepted. Yeah, yeah. Standing out is definitely a huge, huge part of it. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I think a lot of your answers, both about coronavirus and just college admissions in general, were amazing. And hopefully they answered all of our listeners' questions about all of that. Yeah, my pleasure, Kayla. Thank you so much. Awesome. Yeah. And of course, wishing you and your family well, and also all of our listeners, we hope they're still staying safe and staying healthy. Yes. Awesome. Well, thank you, Zach. Thank you, Kayla. And of course, like I said, last episode, we'll be continuing to post a lot of resources, of course, about college admissions, but also about uh, COVID-19 and how it will be affecting that process. So I will be linking our blog page below, which you can check out. There's a lot of amazing resources that we've been putting out there. And as always, if you have any questions, if you'd like to request a future topic, you can follow us on social media at Ingenious Prep Anywhere, uh, and you can ask your questions there. That's all for now. Thank you for listening, and I hope you'll join me next time as we continue our journey inside the admissions office.